Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the premiere top 17 performing podcasts on Anchor.fm. It's Films of Fury once again coming at you. And ladies and gentlemen, this song couldn't be more apropos to bring us into tonight's episode. Oh my god, it, it has been a hot minute since I've said hi to all you folks. Um, but welcome once again to Films of Fury. I am your host, Sergeant Fury, along with my co-host and uh, skipper for the podcast, as always, the one, the only, the living legend, Evan McLeod. Welcome back, I'm baby. Batman. <laughs> Fuck you, Batman. I hate, I hate you so much for doing this. So... Um, as always, <laughs> Films of Fury can be found wherever you get your fine-ass podcast. brought to you by Anchor.fm, but you can find us on Stitcher, Google Play, uh, Apple Podcasts, and all of your other fine podcasting outlets. Um, I am in the middle of fucking moving, and I needed to get this podcast in because, ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special guest, a returning guest. You may remember he from The Walking Dead Season 9 preview. Uh, a few months back, you can find it in the archives as usual. I think it's like episode 10 because this man had to get on the, I needed this motherfucker on the podcast and especially considering that he's going to bring an awesome perspective, uh, to, to tonight's podcast due to the subject matter. He's the president of the IndyCard mafia. He is the CEO of IndyCard media. He is the one, the only, the incomparable, the punk rock supernova himself returning once again. Eric Eminon. Eric, welcome back, baby. Thank you. What a wonderful introduction. Man, I was great. You made me feel so good about myself. I will hype your dick any day of the week twice on Sunday, dude. So without like marking out as usual because I stalk your shit, dude, You to get to the wrestling before we get to the fun stuff, you've just been fucking killing it in from everywhere from ohio to atlanta Trying. all the way up to maine it's like a, a triangle of death in the the fucking Trying. east coast man fucking good for you thank you thank, thank you. you it's it's, it's been, been uh it's, it's been, been exhausting. exhausting the travel's travel been, been you know daunting. daunting and the hours long and the time away from the family has been heavy but uh you know i think uh, tonight's a perfect example of why i do it uh you know i got to go see that wonderful movie we're going to talk about later on in the show with my daughter and uh it was a great time man it was a great time but yeah wrestling's been awesome just been like i said traveling and as you so well put it the triangle of doom uh i'm expanding out a little bit more i'm going back to indiana this upcoming weekend for the first time in like two years so gee well fucking grab me a spoon um (laughs) (laughs) you know dude it's it's so great that you bring up uh d because you know all three of us on this podcast um are fathers Mm -hmm. and when we get to share something that we love with our children it is so awesome you know with x24 i get to share my love of star wars and jurassic park um, with you know Jay and D and the third on the way, you yep. you're going to be sharing all of your loves. Evan, as usual, is sharing you know Shamrock Shakes because he's a leprechaun dick. Um, <laughs> Listen, I've been in the gym. I'm probably the only one out of the three of us right now that's sitting here eating chicken and fucking spinach. Okay, for dinner. And I'll be in the gym while you motherfuckers are asleep. So 
sucking dick. I had chicken and pizza right before I got on here, man, and I still managed to keep my nice, slim 190-pound frame. I had a magic hat dropkick Murphy's Barroom Hero Pub Ale, so fuck both of you. Ha-ha! <laughs> <laughs> you default muscle since you were a kid. Oh, gee. You know, I will say this. Before we go People off realize, on our Eric and I have known each other, what, we're over 20 years? Almost 20 years? Almost 20 years now? Yeah. Eric grew up down the street from my nephew and my nephews and my niece. So like, it, he watched you wrestle as a kid. Is that what you're telling us? We, we yeah. actually backyard wrestled with Eric. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> my, my first, you know, my first experience meeting him was in, him in his backyard uh, on top of a ladder cutting a promo. And we went from this backyard wrestling company that was like, we just want to do what they see on WWE to – him on top of a ladder, motherfucking everybody under the sun. And I was like, oh my god, I'm like 12 years old. What did I get myself into? <laughs> then I got a steel folding chair kicked into my face under a hood, and I'm just bleeding out everywhere. And I'm like, all right, so this is wrestling, I guess. Uh, all right, cool. Welcome to the business, kid. Right? <laughs> You know, this is the, and this is the locker room talk that when I first started this podcast made me want to do it because if if memory serves us correct, the three of us in a certain promotion in Western New York would have in a locker room on a Saturday been talking about what we're about to talk about right now. Oh, oh for yeah, sure, sure. Like, pretty much. They're dead gone, so yeah, it, <laughs> they're dead and gone, and we're still alive. And you know what else is alive? The box office fucking numbers for Marvel Studios, what is it, 21st entrance? No, no it's 23, I think. 20 fucking That's 23rd. It's the 23rd. Jesus, the 23rd entrant in the fucking Marvel Cinematic Universe. Marvel Studios, Captain Marvel, domestically, $153 million and and fucking climbing this weekend. It is astronomical. On um, on International Women's Day, this film was released. It made something, some stupid fucking amount on Thursday night at the 7 o'clock showings. And the number, the ticker just kept fucking going over and over again. I mean, all three, is a, three of us have seen it. I mean... They released it on the perfect day, just like Black Panther. Could, exactly. Could this? I'm pretty sure if if the number's slowing down, you're just seeing the machine broken. It's smoking because yeah, it's on foot. They're talking four hundred million dollars domestically by the end of this movie's run. Fuck that. I'm gonna say six because this movie is just a phenom. I'm honestly, I might go see it again. I'm gonna see it. I want to see it again. I'll be honest with you. I want to see it again. You guys, I want to see if I missed anything. Um, and because I want to bring my son, uh, because I, I wasn't, he's been having nightmares. So I wasn't sure what the whole skulls, if you, if it was going to produce more nightmares. So I went and saw it before we're letting him go. Yeah. Um, but the reality is like, it's a really good movie. I'm going to be honest. It's doesn't blow me out of the water. Um, I don't think the trailers do the movie justice, um, to be brutally honest, but it doesn't. Visual effects, I think I wanted more visually. Um, I think Aquaman gave more visually. Um, but as Dan always say, DC always gets snubbed anyways. So, 
we won't, we won't go there. We're, we won't go there. So before we get into the meat and potatoes of the movie, um, yes. we have to at least talk about the flack. Before I went into this film, you, you, yeah, before all of us went into this film, really, we heard about the Rotten Tomatoes scores and the, the, the internet trolls who were hating on the movie before it was even released. And the one thing that I have to say, going, still hating on it, still hating on it. Going into this, um, you know, I have a son. I can't see it from from a female perspective. But Eric, yeah, this movie was tailor made for your daughter's audience. This movie is exactly what it needed to be, much like Wonder Woman was for the you know the DCEU a couple years ago. Did you buy into the angry fanboy hate, or was it more like, you know, fucking, because we're pro wrestlers, you're going to hate something. It's like, haters are going to hate. Fuck them. It, yeah. What was your perspective? So, I mean, I, mean, I looked at all the hate, hate like this. this. It was, it was plain, plain and simple. simple. It was There's a lot of people being pissed off because it wasn't their superhero movie. I mean, people have been wanting a Black Widow movie for how long? People have been wanting People have been wanting all of these movies um, to pan out a certain way. And Captain Marvel comes in and it essentially pulls out the dick and lays it down and goes, guess what? I'm going to beat every single one that's come out so far. And... Like, like you said, you it was tailor-made tailor for my daughter. daughter. It was, it was, was tailor-made tailor for, for her. And when she got her powers at 100%, my daughter yelled out in the theater, You go, girl! Woo! You go, girl! And was clapping. <laughs> Which, and I'm like, that's exactly what this movie was supposed to do. Yeah. Which leads me... We're, we're, we're only a few minutes in, and I've already promised it on Facebook. Evan kind of knows about this, but Eric, y you and your wife have a challenge thrown at okay. your feet right now before we get into the Let's review. Let's go. Sergeant Fury is willing to buy one said Captain Marvel girl's Halloween costume this year. Okay. I need to see D as Captain Marvel for Halloween. There's only two oh, days of the year that it'll I happen. look forward to. And Uncle Dan will fucking bring the goddamn <laughs> costume out in October and lay it before her feet for Halloween. I, I guarantee you she'll do it. Excellent. So I don't oh. I don't know I don't know if you've been following online, but so the morning of school, the day after so I took her out on a Sunday night to go see this movie. Yep. Took her to the seven o'clock showing on Sunday night. We watched the whole entire movie. The whole ride home, she could not stop talking about it. Uh, the next morning she woke up, got her ready for school, got her, uh, you know, outside, ready to get on the bus. The bus gets there. She turns and looks at me and says, Dad, I'm going to be like Captain Marvel today. And I was like, all right, cool. She goes to school. We get a note home from school that she couldn't stop running around the classroom and <laughs> talking to everybody. And telling her, That's amazing. And I'm like, I'm like, hey, you're not wrong. That's what she would do. And then... <laughs> Then that night, Monday night, she decided she was going to donate her hair to a charity, or, you know, uh, donate her hair to kids with cancer, and so they can do that. Yeah. And she cut her hair down to her shoulders. And I'm like, you did all of this in a 20... <laughs> that, was, that was really cool, too. The fact yeah. that she donated that was, her hair. Like, so my wife was just going to get her hair done. And I was like, I want to donate my hair. Oh. And so I'm like, this kid really wants to be Captain Marvel. Yep. 
So it worked out, you know. She 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 found her real. She found a hero, and like you said, it was tailor made for. It was exactly what they wanted. Like she in a twenty four hour span, she said she was going to change her behavior and wanted to do something to help out somebody just to make them happy. Like that's yeah. simple. That that's that's exactly what it was for. Like it was not like anyone that's it's it's not made for a boy's perspective. No, but and that and that, that's what I was talking to Dan about earlier. Like it's it's not not a movie, not not a movie tailored for boys. It's not not a little boys movie. No little boy, you know, you're, you're not expecting a little boy to go out and dress up like Captain Marvel, you know, this Halloween. I mean, I'll go dress up as Captain Marvel. Yeah. That movie was amazing. Um, <laughs> now I want to I want to ask you guys what you think about this though. Um, like you said, it wasn't tailored towards us. It was tailored towards the younger generation. They are going to be moving forward after Endgame into the next phase. Yep. You know, we're, we're seeing a lot of our favorite heroes possibly donning their costumes for the last time, donning their, their, their war paint for the last time. And I want to ask you guys this, because this is something that popped into my brain the morning after was... Did you realize how many parallels the movie Captain Marvel and the Iron Man 1 that started off from MCU had in common? Evan, I'll let you uh, take this one, because uh, I'll go after you. Okay. I, if you really, like, how many, like, what you're talking about, like, years and everything, right? And like, well, no, I'm talking about if you look at the parallels between the two stories. So, say, a perfect example. We'll start off with how Captain Marvel got her powers. She got her powers because of the military explosion, correct? Yep. Correct. Yep. Look at Iron Man. Iron Man procured his powers via a military explosion. Albeit it was a roadside bomb that blew up, filled him full of lead, and then he had to create his power. But it was still a roadside explosion. It was a military explosion. It was a military operation they were on. So... Both military explosions to get their powers. They both don't don their powers fully until towards the end of the movie when they realize, I can actually save the world. So, if you, like I said, the parallels, it's not just there. Like, the parallels, she's realistically, theoretically, the the, the female Iron Man. With exactly. It's not only that, though, but she, I, I feel like, Captain Marvel is supposed to be uh, moving forward the new Iron Man. You know, she's, she's going to be the one that the MCU is going to be based around. She's the face right now. See, because uh, you're absolutely right. Endgame is going to be the the last film potentially for Chris Evans, uh, yeah. although he says he's willing to do cameos. Uh, you know, Robert Downey Jr. may No, listen. May Chris or Evans not. needs to get shot in the head at the end of Endgame. By Black Widow. No, not by not Black happened. Widow. Agent 13, dude. It needs to be Agent 13 who's a scroll. But we're not going to get into that at the beginning. Because that's, <laughs> that's fan theory. But the one thing that really gets me is, is you're absolutely right. And especially considering that it's not uh, a secret what Kevin, what has happened in the last week before the release where Wesley Snipes has said Kevin Feige and him have talked about an R-rated Blade movie where mm -hmm. Kevin Feige has uh, instructed his team to get ready for X-Men versus Avengers because by the end of this year, we're going to have the kernels for the X-Men universe. I, I feel, it, I feel like I feel like they're going to recast the big three. Do, 
do they need to recast the big three? Because to have X Men versus Avengers, if Chris Hem- Hemingsworth and Robert Downey Jr. and Evans are not the leading three actors in that movie, or three character characters are not the leading three in that movie, which that whole story is based on those three. Mm-hmm. I don't. I'm not going to want to pay, pay to see it. But I, I'm very hesitant on seeing an Avengers movie because. It's proof in the pudding in the comic books that without those three characters, the comic book does not succeed. But after Endgame and after the $2.4 billion success of Infinity War and the fucking billion dollar success of Black Panther and this movie... Who did that movie focus on? What three characters did the primary focus focus of that movie? Hear me out. Hear me out. I doubt that those three are going to walk away from X-Men versus Avengers. The money's on the table. The money's on the fucking table, and Chris Hemsworth already said, yeah, he's willing to do it. because He's willing to do a Thor movie, but it has to be written like the last Thor movie. Which it will, because the last Thor movie was the best. Exactly. Hey, man. Hey, man. Hey, man. My name's Korg. I made a rock. I made a rock. Don't let that scare you. Unless you're playing scissors. <laughs> Little rock, paper, scissors joke there for you. You fucking marked out for that. Like, on your face. Oh, I love Korg. Korg is my you... favorite. He's one of my favorite characters in the MCU. Bye, new Doug. Um, Valkyrie made me hard. Um, so Same let... Doug as the old Doug. <laughs> so, <laughs> Jesus so let's get into it. Um, this is your Films of Fury five-second spoiler alert. From this point forward in this podcast, we are going to be talking spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Because that's what we do. We're reviewing the movie. But because Christian Bale doesn't give a fuck. Because Christian Bale doesn't give a fuck. And from this so point... So would you say, are they our spoilers? <sighs> no, they are movie spoilers, guy. Yeah. <sighs> God damn it, Eric. You're so good. So good. Eric, I'm going to let you do the five-second countdown. All right. Ready? Oh, I'm ready. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. I'm editing. (laughs) Just so we're clear, I'm editing that, and that's going to be the spoiler fucking clip every fucking time. So, I'm feeling (laughs) So, let's just start off within the first five seconds of the movie I was crying. Um, The tribute to Stan Lee. Uh, for the Marvel characters at the beginning of the film had me fucking bawling my, my eyes out. Eric, ask him, ask him about his girlfriend's girlfriend found out beforehand. What your girlfriend find out beforehand? So my girlfriend decided that she was going to check the blogs for best times to go to the bathroom during Captain Marvel. Because that, that, that's a thing. And also, um, how many uh, post-credit scenes there were. And she found out about the intro. Ahead of time. Wow. She, she wow. wanted to watch him cry. So she fucking sat there knowing the intro. And I am crying my eyes out. And she just leans over and goes, I knew they were going to do that. <laughs> That's <laughs> wonderful. That's wonderful. See, I knew it was going to happen because the internet likes to spoil things 24 hours past when they happen. I but didn't even know. Or it, I, know, I, I didn't look at anything. I got like the the it crested, but okay. it didn't fall. It I had one singular man tear 
during his cameo in the movie, and that was it. And it was just like, it, the smirk got me. That's what got me. Yes. Yes. I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what Far From Home mm-hmm. will, will, will give. The, ca- the cameo, the smirk, I feel like they can take that footage, though, like that smirk, and put it in so- put it on in so many movies now, though. Like, well, but he did his, when he did his cameo for uh, Infinity War, they said that they taped like five or six of them. Yeah, yeah uh, James said- Gunn actually taped uh, a bunch of them uh, yeah. a few months back, or a few years back, because they didn't know. Yeah. So, so I mean, and they, they could always CGI his face on someone else and his voice, you know, as long as they have his voice, or, they can always put it into the movies. Or do they do what Deadpool 2 did and they do a graffiti on the side of a building where it's his face as a memoriam? In where you just kind of find it? It's it's like, yeah. where's Waldo, but it, where's Stanley? Exactly, because yeah. I don't... Who's all these old guys? <laughs> I don't like the idea of having a new person do cameos. Like, I don't like the idea of Deadpool being the cameo guy as much as people would mark out because it's not Stan. I mean, the only yeah. person I could have seen was Kevin Smith. And now we can't do that because Kevin Smith, in real world continuity due to the Stan Lee scene, is literally a fucking human being within the MCU because. As as Eric alluded to with the hot tear rolling down his face during the, the cameo, Stan Lee is reading the Mallrats script. Yep. That's I dude, I popped for that. I was like, Oh my god, Mallrats. Yeah. I was I don't and I thought maybe I was the only one that noticed that. No, no, and so, I mean, that's something cool that's really added into it, and I think it, it's a testament to Kevin Smith and all of his work in the comic book world, is that here he is now, he is a full-fledged, shit. He's a full-fledged, no, I hear you. Oh, sorry, my phone, like, cut out. Oh, no, um, no. Stan Lee is a, uh, he's a full, he's, uh, I'm sorry, wow. Kevin Smith is a full-fledged comic guy now. Like he's 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 signed on. Like that's his thing. Like that is him now. And so if you look at Captain Marvel and the fact that Kevin Smith back in nineteen ninety five in the MCU wrote Mallrats, that means Jay and Silent Bob are Jay and Silent Bob in the MCU. That means like we're we're getting all of these great things out of this. And I don't think you're you you're understanding that. So we we could like Blood Man and Chronic are literally inspired by the Avengers of the MCU. Exactly. Yep. Correct. Yep. And, but oh, it's so fucking beautiful. My, right. My big question though is, do they have? So now that Stan Lee is Stan Lee in the MCU, does that make him the writer of a novel? Does that make him? Uh, does is he still like the like how they had him in Marvel comics in the comics? Or or is he still? A, a a watcher informant, as was alluded to in Guardians Volume Two, only he takes the role of Stanley author. Mm-hmm. It's weird to it's literally what Deadpool would call a fourth wall break within a fourth wall break. Right. Yep. And you know that's just one of the awesome parts. Let's get to Brie Larson's outstanding performance because I was very critical on uh, my other podcast, the Necronasticon uh, about Brie Larson's acting 
and how the only movie that I had seen her uh, star in was Kong Skull Island, and I thought, honestly, full disclosure, I thought she was the drizzling shits. And then I mean, so, so did she, though. So did she. And then I saw Skull, uh, not Skull Island, uh, a movie called Room, which is the one that got her the Oscar for for Best Actress, and it changed my opinion. And I thought, okay, I'm going to give her a chance going into this. But what a fucking performance. If she can carry that over into Endgame, <laughs> we've got ourselves the next Robert Downey Jr. Of, like, like Eric said, flat out, this is the Iron Man for Phase 4, going into Phase 4. Um, you know, let's talk about this fucking performance because she starts off as this, you know, they say Kree warrior hero. But we already know that the Kree are bad guys from Guardians 1. So... It's such a, a, a mind trip for this person to find out through through happenstance, your life is not what you think it is. And the performance that she gives, fucking amazing. Um, what do you guys say? Eric, you, you can go first. So, when the movie started, it, it felt like... Just kind of watching, like, body motions. Like, you could tell she was uncomfortable. I can't tell if it was the acting or if it was how the character was portrayed. You know, where a lot of the body motions felt robotic. And this is just me being hypercritical of it because I'm looking into the character itself. And I feel like somebody who's having dreams of people they don't remember and things they don't remember and situations they don't remember and they're not sure why, like, that would make somebody robotic. So I feel like it's just good acting. I don't think it was bad acting. I think it was good acting. I think you're, you're playing that character. And as she started to figure out more and became more comfortable with who she really was, she wasn't, you know, Vers anymore. She was... Carol Danvers, like, she she was Captain Marvel, man, like, you started to see her loosen up, you know, she started to become more of a comedy character who was also a certifiable badass, and I thought it was awesome. It was her real-life human persona that they talked about, you know, she's getting drunk at the bar singing Guns N' Roses karaoke with her best friend Rambo. And <laughs> right, and greatest, greatest name ever. ever, greatest fucking war name ever. But Evan, in in piggybacking off what Eric just said, her performance at the beginning, it was almost like she knew she was in a world that didn't belong to her, with powers she didn't understand. And as you progressed, and as after she landed in Blockbuster, and just kept going and going and going, the real Carol Davers came, or Danvers came through. Seriously, for you guys? Yeah. Did you pop for Blockbuster? Oh fuck! Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I popped for Radio Shack. <laughs> oh yes, Radio Shack was amazing. Are you kidding? I popped for a phone that had a cord attached to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the cell phone, the, oh. the, cell phone. the, the uh, what you call it, the payphone? Yeah. yeah. Or what about the Motorola that sent text messages to Colson? Or the fact that Colson had hair? Um, yeah. <laughs> but, you, you know, you, you look at Brie Larson's presentation of the character, and the one thing we have to talk about is the one of the unsung heroes that hasn't been talked about and you know, I sent a mer- yo, I sent a message to Eric after Eric was like, "Yo, yo, we need to talk about Captain Marvel." And I'm like, "Fuck, fuck, yes, we do." Jude Law 
Jesus yeah. Christ. If so good. Out of nowhere. If there yeah. was ever a fucking actor that he, needed to be in a superhero movie, he was fucking oh, it. I was convinced that he was... So, Jude Law has been tied to so many superhero movies. You gotta remember that, though. Like, people have wanted Jude Law in superhero movies since he was... Since, like, superhero movies started. I'm almost positive when William De Bo was cast as Norman Osborn. I believe he was one of the people that were up for the role too, or he was a fantasy fan cast to play yeah. Norman Osborn. Yep. And I think even people wanted when they came up with Amazing Spider-Man, people wanted Jude Law to play Norman Osborn. Jude Law is a great actor. Like I, I thought his performance was great in the movie. I, I enjoyed it. I think. The, the thing, thing that, that surprised, surprised me, and I, I don't, don't know, know if the actor is the same actor, but um, with the Cree. Oh, uh, Ronan the Accuser? Yes. It's the same Ronan actor. Ronan the same actor. Yes, they were. They were the same actor. He just wasn't wearing the black paint on his face, the, the yep. ceremonial um, Cree. But they also, they CGI'd him so he was younger, too. Exactly. So, like, I was like, is it the same actor? Yep. But, like... I really liked the fact I I wasn't I didn't expect him to show up, so I really was I I was a big fan of that, and I was a big fan with like the fact that he had the hammer and the cat, the cat. Oh yeah, goose. Oh, yeah, oh, goose. The, goose the and Fury tag team of the year. Yo, yes, absolutely. And in fact, you know. When I knew that they were going to put Nick Fury as young Nick Fury, and this was going to be kind of this was the this was the long kiss goodnight, only without Gina Davis. Ironically, Samuel Jackson was in that movie too. And if you look at his performance, you know, I Marvel has done such a phenomenal job with the anti aging. They did it a with Ant Man, the two Ant Man movies, uh, you know, with Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer. They did oh, an yes. amazing job with Civil War, where they had young Robert Downey Jr. in it. Um, One of my favorite, by the way, because they even gave him his gap teeth. Exactly. <laughs> like they went out of their way like, to give you. I looked at when I saw that Robert Downey Jr. I was like, "That's my back to school Rodney Dangerfield movie." Robert Downey Jr. Where's his blue hair? Yeah. <laughs> oh my you went Rodney Dangerfield on us on this fucking podcast. That's a. First. There you go. You're welcome. The, the one thing, the one, my one gripe. My one gripe over the whole movie All right. is it was a typical Marvel movie. And people can argue with me till they're blue in the face. But 80% of the movie is not Captain Marvel. It is Karen Danvers. Well, it's the it's the journey. It's the hero's but, journey but, but, to become the, the, but the fucking ultimate. But everyone that loves Civil War... Everybody mm -hmm. that loves Civil War, these movies are geared for kids. They are not geared towards adults. If you want an adult-geared movie, go watch a DC movie. Those are definitely geared for adults and avid comic book readers. Marvel movies, regardless whether you want to say, oh, it's it's not Disney, it's not this, it's still a Disney film. Those movies are geared towards kids. I strongly disagree. The focal, the focal point should always be the superhero. And that is what people are paying. The marquee, just like Hogan, I use wrestling, Hogan and Andre were the marquee for WrestleMania 3. Mm -hmm. The undercard 
people always talk about the undercard, which is WrestleMania three, Macho Savage. and Steamboat. Yeah. So the reality, but the marquee at the end of the day is Captain America, uh, Captain Marvel. Excuse me. Well, wait. I want to see more Captain Marvel, and that's the same thing Civil War did. Civil War had so much talking. My son, Ryder, is turning seven in a couple weeks here. When we saw Civil War, he was three or four. I think it's been about three years it's been since Civil yeah. came out, right? Probably. He leaned into me and goes, Daddy, this movie is boring. Marvel has a very big tendency to over-embellish the story on their film and a lot of talking, like, to make the film, like, verbally really go. But if you look at, like, I'll use Deadpool. Deadpool is, to me, one of the most successful non-Marvel-based movies. He's in the costume the whole movie for about 90% of the movie. You know, even Logan. Logan's focus, that, that movie was so successful because it focused him as Wolverine. You know? So, like, that's the only thing that, that really bothered me. What, sweetheart? What would you well, like? for five seconds there, I thought he was talking about my kid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, so... Eric, do you have a counterpoint to that? Yeah, so I mean, I, I get what you're saying with Marvel has to be more more or less PGified. You know, it can't be a dark DC movie. But I'm okay with that because, like I said at the beginning of this, this, this movie... I'm pretty okay with that. Yeah, this movie, though, was not supposed to be a beat-em-up, drag-em-out Captain Marvel movie. This movie is literally setting up the next phase of the MCU. So it has to be one of those movies where it is Carol Danvers. That way, you don't get the development of her character in Endgame. You know, because we need her in Endgame. That, that's really what this is. This is the setup before the big spike of Endgame. You know, the, the this whole thing has to be... It had to be this way. Simply because of the fact that if you didn't fall in love with her not being Captain Marvel, and then you fell in love with her going, hey, you know, since we're on a team, we got to wear the same colors. Boom. She's wearing, you know, her her, her colors. Oh, well, why aren't you wearing the Kree colors? Well, fuck you, that's why. Like, it, it, was, it, it's, it was that build to those final minutes where we saw her get her powers under her control 100% explain where she's been, why she's been gone all this time, and really why Fury hadn't paged her until the absolute last moment. Okay, so okay. now here's another question, Randy. Yeah, okay. Rambo and Rambo's daughter, mm -hmm. I think, Dan and I kind of touched on this earlier today when we were chatting real quick before all, you know we all got on together. What do you think is going to set her off? Oh, Captain Thanos. I oh. don't think I don't think Fury disappearing is going to set her off. I don't even think that the end of the, like, this could be the end of the world is setting her off. I think when she finds out that scene where she asks where Fury is, she's going to get explained what happens. She's going to go find, try and find Rambo and her daughter. One of them is going to be missing. Well, okay, so... And clearly they have to age both of them. If, if I may, if I may... Uh, this movie takes place continuity wise, nineteen ninety five. Ninety five. Ninety five. Okay, if you remember what Ronan the Accuser said at the before they went back into to hyperspace and headed back to to Hala, um, 
you know, they would come back for the weapon, which would be Carol. Now, spoilers, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Carol disappears into space at the end of the movie and leaves you the credits. And we'll get to that in a minute because that has to involve with the scroll. Um, we can assume that a, you know, because uh, Marvel is nonlinear. We don't go from point A to point B. Captain America, the first Avenger, which I, you know, as much as Eric um, beautifully and eloquently put uh, hit the comparison between Iron Man 1 and Captain Marvel, I compared this one a lot to Captain America, the first Avenger. Uh, in that, in order for me to give a fuck about Steve Rogers, uh, who is kind of one of Eric's spirit animals, according to his top three <laughs> character Instagrams, we'll fight about that in the ring eventually. Um, <laughs> you had to understand Steve Rogers, the man, before you got to uh, uh, Winter Soldier, to where you understood where he came from and you understood why he was conflicted about the world he was in currently post-Avengers 1. With Carol, she can go away at the end of this movie and come back in like 2004, pre-Iron Man 1, okay? And she can see Rambo and her daughter and she can interact with them so that the moment that they you know, can backtrack that in the film, because we already know that Ronan slash Hawkeye's going to lose his family because of the trailer. That kind of fucking let us know that. It would mean the scene that you're talking about would matter way fucking more because you're going to get that interaction between the three of them in a later film. Mm -hmm. And to me, you know, let's just let's just bring it out the post credit scene. In which the pager that Nick Fury uh, started at the end of Infinity War turns off. And you yep. have Banner, you have Rogers, you have Romanoff, and you have um, Rhodey are looking at the motherfucker at the Avengers compound being like, it just turned off. Well, hook it back up to a power source and start it again. Obviously, Nick Fury wanted it. All four of them turn around and there's fucking Carol being like, where's Fury? Mm -hmm. Now, yeah. to me, first off, you just blew your nut all over the fucking screen because every single person was like, what's she going to do? Well, yeah. you just gave her to us. Thank you. Now we know that she's had 20 plus years to fucking power up. Yeah. We can go back and see that story later. In my opinion, I don't need to know how fucking powerful she is. You know, and my question is... is at what point do the scrolls go evil? Well, th there we go. So, you know, let's talk about the scrolls. Because Secret Invasion is on the horizon. It's got to be uh, post-Endgame. As well as the X-Men. Because MCU just bought 20th Century Fox. Um, so, the scroll twist. The plot twist in this one. Uh, fucking, the scroll are the good guys? I loved it so much. It was the it, it was the out of nowhere that everybody needed for the movie. I mean, even when I went into it, I was like, they're the bad guys. Yeah, that makes sense. And then I was like, but the crew are the bad guys, too. And then when they brought up the accusers, I was like, well, fucking Ronan's an accuser. Like, that, okay, this is, like, it, all, my brain just, like, fried for a second. I was like, none of this makes sense. It's going to make sense soon. And then it clicked. Boom. 
holy shit, this is all making sense. This is all happening so fast. It does make sense, but even in, like, if, if, and if anyone read a Captain Marvel comic book, she is someone that denounces the Kree. Well, mm-hmm. the Kree are evil, regardless. Which they're we knew from Guardians bad. 1. <laughs> Which we found yeah. in Guardians 1. So the whole time they're sitting there saying the Kree, I'm like, are they, are all of them traitors to the Kree, or are is something up like that was what was going on in my mind i'm like the kree the kree that's guardians one and i know she's you know she betrays them and but what about the rest of the team are this rest of the team gonna stay good and are they gonna go after the scrolls and then go after the kree like because uh you know they kept playing it off like they were still on her side but then you get the big wrap up to know that they they're the reason the whole ship went down. The decree, the the doctor was trying to save the scrolls, but the question still remains. But again, you got to look at it at, in rose-colored glasses too. Just like human beings, there can be good scrolls. Exactly. There can be bad scrolls. Just like there are heroes and vil- villains. So, what I feel, I feel like the one she saves. Are the ones that are trying to make a better life. They're not the war ones. They're the only fighting to to survive. So, but I feel like something's gonna happen to them as well when all this plays out. Which we there's can... gonna be something. There's gonna be something to bring everything full circle. And either that main scroll is gonna end up going bad once they have their own planet, and. I want. I need secret invasion. Well, you know the the funny part about it all is is looking at this story, the one that we were just presented. You know, you have refugees that are being hunted, and their every planet that they're on is demolished, and the Kree are these bad guys that are hunting them down, and it's happening. This story is happening during a very politically charged time. You know, do you think that, and I'm going to throw this one to Eric, uh, do you think that this story was almost geared to the message that Stanley left us, where it doesn't matter where you come from, you know, it doesn't matter your race, your religion, your creed, your sex, your gender, as long as you're a good person, people who read his comics don't discriminate. And that's that's pretty much, not only was it a very girl power or woman power film but it was also you know social expense whether absolutely okay and so i think i think the big thing with the scrolls was that yeah they don't look like us yeah they may take our shape to try and fit into our culture uh but that's no reason that we should end their entire existence i think that they proved how powerful they were when they show up in the water and they start transforming into surfers and then they hunt down Captain Marvel in a lot and take a shot at her and I think that's that that shows they're not only intelligent beings but they will adapt to what they have to and I think the big uh, the big fight scene on the train you know you see Carol just straight up Bollywop an old lady in the face I was kind of sad. I, I'll be honest. I almost wanted to shed a tear when the scientist got killed. Oh, yeah. That that was like, I was like, no, he was funny. Why did you? Right. Kill, 
Why did you kill the funny one? And, right? <laughs> and like, that's your scientist. <laughs> that's your scientist. I just... How come I, you couldn't tell me this? You're my scientist. Huh? I think... I, think I can, the, the I can story... modify your ship. I get it. He's a scientist. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I loved how the scroll became sympathetic characters, especially considering that as comic book fans, I sit there and I wonder what Kevin Feige is thinking because you know he's 10 steps ahead of us. You knew yeah. he would eventually get 20th Century Fox, so we're going to get Fantastic Four, we're going to get the X-Men, you know, obviously we talked about it at the top of the podcast, you know, Wesley Snipes is working with him on a Blade movie coming up, you know, it's... It's a lot, and then you're trying to plan this X-Men versus Avengers, but in the background, you have to think, Secret Invasion is on the horizon, and, you know, how is this going to play out? And let's talk about an actress who really was a tour de force and, and a driving force in this film, Annette Benning. You want to talk about Lawson, you know, uh, Professor Lawson's character in this, you know, Marvell. Out of nowhere, you know, they. I thought Jude Law was going to be Marvel. Ends up, you know, Annette Benning is Marvel, and it it threw shades of Guardians of the Galaxy one, where you had Glenn Close and John C. Riley, two fuck phenomenal actors and actresses, respectively, uh, giving a great performance in an MCU movie, and then here comes Annette Benning, who is one of the the greatest actresses of a generation i mean her role in the american president was fucking phenomenal with michael douglas also another mcu alum obviously him you know she was a you know she was cree and then all of a sudden she realized that this was a useless war and she was yep. willing to turn her back on the cree civilization in order to help the scroll find a home of their own the scroll were really an allegory if if you want to look at it for the jewish people after world war ii after this long war where they were pretty much eradicated from eastern europe you you hit the nail right on the head with it you really did i mean i think i think her performance in this movie too was amazing when she um was like the supreme being if you will yes and i think that Everything that was happening there, and the, uh, I think another one of my favorite spots of that movie, spots like this is a goddamn wrestling match. Oh, it is a work. Another it's one, a work. It's all wrestling. Another one, another spot that I loved was uh, her performance when they kept doing the flashback of focus on the name, focus on the name, focus on the name, and it just kept popping back and forth. And it's like that scene alone, the the way it had to be performed was just so, like, there was such surgical precision to it. Uh, when they're when they're picking Carol's brain, yeah, and I just felt like her like the performance there, and then the performance in like uh, the 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 higher mental state where she's like, "Are you ready? I don't think you're ready. I don't think you're ready for this. You 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 need to control." It, it was just those moments like were so good, and and then it comes out. This is Marvel. Like this is it. Like yeah, she is the lady. Jackson going. Marvel, and she's like, "No, it's Marvel," and he's like, "Yeah, Marvel. That's how it's spelled." Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, "Oh my god!" And now, yeah. Oh god. No, no. Go ahead, Eric. 
So this actually kind of leads into something I want to talk to you about as well. Um, kind of more Endgame, but it involves Captain Marvel. So, you know, we, we saw in the Endgame trailer that Tony Stark is trapped with Nebula, right? And we were all wondering how anyone was going to get to them. We had it dropped in our laps this movie. We not only had it dropped in, and I believe me and Evan talked about this a few hours ago when we were doing show prep. Um, the one thing that made me mark the fuck out was when that trailer dropped for Endgame, all three of us probably you know, did the same thing, was we were watching Tony Stark's final statement to Pepper Potts. And it's you. It's always been you. It, which was exactly what he said to her. Motherfucker, I'm choking up. Give me a second. This, which, I, he was exactly I, I know exactly where you're going with it. Which was exactly what he said to her when he made her CEO of Stark Enterprises. If you it's, go, it's their secret way of saying I love you I, without saying I love you. Exactly. He said it to her in, in one and in two. And you look back at that trailer. And we just assume that Tony has been out in space for several years. Um, Nebula is a cyborg, so she's good to go. In the back of my brain, I thought, oh, Captain Marvel's going to be on her way to Earth, and she's just going to see the stranded ship. How cool would it be if, if Captain America looked up and goes, there's a man out in space. We need him. We need to you guys, find him. He can't be alone. He's not the only one trapped in space. He's not the I only one. I thought about it after he hung up. You got, I mean, uh, Doctor Strange didn't disappear. Yes, yes, he, yes he, did. he did. Yes, he did. He disappeared. He, he, got, he dusted. got dusted. He got dusted. He, he so, felt the snap. So, so it was, was just those two, two that, that were after the snap? That, that yes. was the only two. There were the only two left, left uh, on, on the planet. planet. And they Nebula were... is a cyborg. Essentially, yeah. she's a robot because she's been picked apart so many times. The only people that I know that are in space that haven't come into play are Valkyrie, who apparently she has an action figure coming out for Endgame. Spoilers. Um, and Korg, Eric Eminem's favorite MCU character. Hey, man. Hey, man. Hey. We see hey, you on the ships alone. Do, do you want us to pick you up? Bring you somewhere? So, here's my theory, though. Go for it. Marvel created a Lightspeed Traveler. The Kree modified, modified a ship that took all of them into space from Earth. The ship that we see them in, when I say Captain America and Black Widow, when they say, I hope this works, and they say it has to, is the same ship that Captain Marvel flew into space with that goddamn cat. You know, <laughs> I, will, I will agree with you, but I also have an idea. If you go back and you watch the trailer... There is a scene where you have uh, Cap, Black Widow, Hulk, well, not Hulk, Bruce Banner, and yep. Rhodey are looking up outside of the compound. They're kind of staring up at the sky. How pimp would it be if she showed up, got the rundown, was told Tony Stark is out in space, Is he's this guy, we need him, go get him, and... She goes to find him. It takes a few years, and that's why we get Captain America with a shaved face and such a long gap between the snap and the events of Endgame. Because remember, Scott Lang is stuck in the quantum realm as well during yes. this entire yep. time. Yep. I th I think 
she the two things that I think are pivotal to this this next movie based off of Captain Marvel are gonna be Captain Marvel, but nobody is talking about the fact that uh, not Nebula, um, Gamora is inside Thanos' head. Trap is also yeah correct. But people the the thought is could Thanos be trapped in the soul stone as well. No, he's not. No, he's fine. He's not. I think I think she there's gonna be something that brings Gamora back because Nebula in the comic is the one that sacrifices to die. Gamora is a very popular character. Yeah. Gamora will be back. I just don't know under what circumstance they're gonna bring her back. Well, well not only that, though, but in the recent comics, she was the one to come and kill Thanos. Yeah. She, so, even in the I, original comic, she is... She, uh, Nebula kills him in the original yeah. comic, but she also dies well doing what she needs to do. Which they, but they've said. People don't, if you don't read the Thanos uh, story arc that is out, Thanos has cancer. And the end of that movie where he walks out behind the tree and his hand and he sits down is actually almost identical to a comic book cover fearing that his uh his super cancer that he has he's mm-hmm. diagnosed with it no like, go ahead so i there's there's more involved in thanos's story than just i think then what's being let on yeah than than just the infinity gauntlet because that's the one thing I, I noticed about that whole movie. There's more than just one story going on in that movie. If you, I mean, as a as a comic book reader, it, yeah. it, it, it definitely has more to it, and there's more to Thanos because it's more out of a necessity. There's a reason he's doing it, but you almost feel bad for him by the end of the movie. Well, I like, mean, he, he's the martyr. He well, he if you if you break down the Thanos character. First off, it's completely different than the original Infinity Gauntlet story because up until he meets Death, he's a good guy. And then he yep. wants to impress Death. So in order yep. to stick his dick in Death, he takes out half of the MC, the half of the universe. Yep. With this, they made him an eco-terrorist, which the good part about making him an eco-terrorist is the way that they did it, you completely understood and, you know... Well, the way we live now is, you know, resources are limited. The planet is dying, yada, yada, depending on what side of the aisle you're sitting on. Yep. They personified that with Thanos to the point it was not, it's my need, it's it's my job to do this. So I think the way that they're going to play this out is, do I think Nebula is going to be the one to stop him and she's going to die and he's going to die? Yes, because... James Gunn's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 script that they planned to do the movie on before they released, you know, they fired him, um, they said was a very emotional script. How much more emotional can you get from a script than Gamora dealing with the death of not only Thanos, but her, her sister, Peter Quill dealing with the guilt of being the one who kind of caused the snap, I hate to say it, but also the fact that, you know, like, Rocket has had to deal with this guilt now for years about watching Groot die and knowing the Twice. other Guardians. 
twice. Twice. And hearing Groot call him daddy. Dad. And like you look at that, the 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 emotionality. It's about emotionality uh, of that story playing out. You know, there are very. Few, I think all three of us will agree. There are very few movies that have a cultural impact. The snap is a cultural impact to the point where, and I can't believe I'm about to say this on my podcast. Tom Brady was a meme two minutes after the Super Bowl was over with, with his <laughs> face superimposed. On Thanos with all of the Super Bowl rings as the Infinity Stones on the gauntlet. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, the snap is a cultural thing now. Every You say the snap to people and they, they know what you're talking about. I just, I just send memes of sandboxes and stuff to my buddy and I say, Hey, check out this new Spider-Man clip because he's a big Spider-Man fan. <laughs> I sent him. I sent him a picture of the new Spider-Man game. I go, something happened to mine. I don't know what happened, and it was you, the Spider-Man box. And then someone had opened it, and it was just all dust inside. And we 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 legit torment this guy uh, down here. His name's Lawrence, and um, he's one of my good friends down here. But we freaking all of us, all of us that are friends, we send him the funniest memes, and he's like, "You guys, real funny, real funny," because it makes him want to cry almost. Well, I mean, Good. I'm going to send you all my Spider-Man memes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. one more I mean, thing I, I want to... I mean, the Groot is sad because it's Groot. Oh. You know, it's teenage Groot. But with Peter Parker dying, well, wasting away, yeah. you know, the dust, it's very emotional because you know at that point there's more invested with Tony to Peter than just, you know, I'm your friend. Like, I know you don't have a father figure. My father sucks, and you need a father figure, and I want to be, you know, he wants to be his father figure. And at that moment, Tony has the most guilt because he let him die, and there was nothing he could do to protect him. And hearing him go, Mr. Stock, I don't feel so good. Mr. Stock. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was what killed me was he repeated, I'm sorry. And the one thing that, you know, before we before we go into the final thoughts on on Captain Marvel, and I laughed at the end of the movie. There, very loud in that theater. You're I was an evil cool. man. Jesus, Jesus <laughs> is gonna bathe you in a holy water full of fucking fire. Um, you know, I'm I'm reluctant to say this scene will happen, but there is one scene I would like to see, and that's Aunt May confronting Tony Stark if and when he makes it back to oh. Earth. Oh, it's going to be the pimp slapper around the world. Much like uh, Alex Kintner's mother slapping Chief Brody in Jaws. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I want to know. I want to say that's going to happen, but part of me thinks that maybe he's not the one to tell her. Part of me thinks maybe um, because obviously they kind of hint towards a a romantic thing between. uh, Oh, what the hell's his name? Hogan. Happens. Yes. Yeah. That 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 Pat uh, and, and her have a thing. I feel like he may be the one to tell her because Tony can't tell her, which leads her to go find Tony and then hear the slap heard around the world. Or she knew she knows, and that he's Spider Man, like like in the comic. Uh, uh, this is going back. Aunt May in the comics tells him before she dies. 
I've always known you were Spider-Man. Well, she saw. Well, she, 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 saw she yeah, him. she saw him. She saw. She him saw in him. Suit. She she saw the suit, but she doesn't know that he's Spider-Man. Oh, she, she a hundred percent. Well, she, she did say what the fuck. In his eyes, she doesn't know. In his in his eyes, she doesn't know. Like, I don't know about that. Well, I think that's a stretch. You know, the one thing I can say going because this is the last stop to Endgame. Like this, you know, since we're talking, you know, wrestling because we're wrestlers. You know, this is the last pay per view before WrestleMania. You know, this is the and this is the Raw before Mania. This, Get out of here. Yeah, this is like we got Shazam stuff, bitch. Oh Jesus Sam's Christ! We're we're talking about fucking Endgame here, and you're talking about the other Captain Marvel. So, uh, uh, technically, it's the, the first, first Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. Uh, you really want to get out of here. I know. All right. So, uh, Eric. Yeah. Going into Endgame. Name yeah. one thing that you want to see leading into Endgame that left your palate wet after Captain Marvel. Oh, man. So, I do got to say, I just want to say honorable mention here. Watching Nick Fury lose his eye to a cat is probably the funniest fucking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Oh, and, and like the and fact you know, that he can tell everybody for the rest of his life, he can tell everybody for the rest of his life, I lost my eye in an alien invasion because it's not wrong. Yeah, and and, the, and going, oh, it's just a scratch, and uh, the scroll like shaking his head. No. no. It's yeah. So we're gonna be we're gonna be safe. Is this regular space turbulence? Yeah, this is fine. No. no. <laughs> um. But you know, this movie had me. It had me. It it it. It, it opened my mind to so many ideas and things going into Endgame. Like, I honestly think, one, Nick Fury's a scroll. I think that he died at the end of Captain America and uh, Civil War. I think that uh, even though it's been humored and rumored the longest time, I think Natasha Romanov is a scroll. I mean, look at how often her goddamn hair changes. Okay? Uh, so at this point, it wouldn't be shocking. It would be more of a character trait than anything. Um, I think the, uh, like you were saying, uh, the, the war between the scrolls and, the, you know, everybody, I think it's because, uh, Talos takes over Nick Fury. I think that's what we see. And I think that once he realizes that he now knows all of the secrets of the Earth's mightiest heroes, guess what? We need a place to live. I literally know what everybody can do. Guess what? Scroll invasion. Secret invasion, bitches. Yep. Because I, not. It's the perfect setup for it. Nick Fury dies. He takes Nick Fury's place. Yep. Now knows literally every single secret of Shield. He knows everything about the Avengers. He knows where they are, what they do, their secret identities if they have any, all their traits, all their weapons, all their weaknesses. He knows it all. Mm-hmm. And so Natasha Romanoff changes her hair. Black Widow changes her hair. She shows up in places she shouldn't be. Correct. Yep. Yep. So look at that. There's scroll number two. Just, and just so end, end it just like they did uh, Infinity War. Give everyone yes. that shock value ending where they're like, where they have to be invested to want back to see the next part. Yep. And in the future, like or, to me, if you if if this ends happily ever after, like, and they kill off a bunch of characters as a comic book fan I kind of will be let down I need this this movie needs to end with a bullet between Steve Rogers eyes as they're walking up to the white I think that camera pans back and you see the scope and you see Roman up there and all of a sudden the gun falls down 
Romanoff stops walking away, and she turns into a full scroll. And then, boom, you're like, wait a second. What's going on? That's how you're going to do us again? Well, right. What? We just got your money. I don't That's- need a happy, happy ever after ending. I do not need Thanos dying or them, oh, my God, we, you know, this person died. But, oh, here's a big parade because we saved the world. Yay, look at us. My theory that I was peppering back and forth with Tommy and uh, we, we, we shoot, I shoot theories at him all the time. And he's like, here's your plot holes. And I'm like, one of these days, man, I'm going to find one that works. And I think I found one that semi kind of works. My biggest theory for Endgame, uh, moving from Captain Marvel, I think it's a plausible scenario here. I think that we're not looking at time travel, but different timelines. I think the snap didn't kill everybody. We moved them to an alternate timeline where the other half of the people died. Well, I think, there is, I, I think, I would not think, be surprised at that either. I think essentially what happened was the one scenario was letting Thanos win on this timeline, thus saving half the universe and putting them in another timeline where the next big bad shows up in, in the current universe where that Thanos won. So half the, half the universe's population is already saved from the big bad. Now it's time to take everybody from this universe, move them over to the other universe, so we don't lose anybody mm-hmm. except Thanos in the Big Bad. So, uh, if, if which I, I think, think it's, go ahead. Uh, so here, here's my thought on the the next Big Bad. Mm-hmm. Galactus. Yep. Galactus. Galactus. Is- it's, it's somebody who's stronger than Thanos, and then it's, at that point, you know, you look at you look at the grand scheme of things. Uh, when they go back in time to like the battle in New York, they keep going back in time to find stuff like the Tesseracts, you know, little things like that. Yep. They're not finding the Infinity Stones to create an Infinity Gauntlet to beat Thanos. No. They're finding copies of Infinity Stones from mm-hmm. other timelines. I think that's why they use the bottom row. I don't think they use it to go back in time. I think they use it to pepper around different timelines, but Scott Lang doesn't know because he yeah. ends up in the other universe. where Captain America and Black Widow and Banner and them are all dead, but guess who he runs into? Strange. Strange says, hey, guess what? I'm going to blow your mind. Everyone else is alive. I need you to go back into the Quantum Realm. Scott says, fuck that. I've been stuck in the Quantum Realm for blah, 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 blah. He says, well, tough shit, dude. You're going back. Big circle. Bang. Ant-Man's back in the Quantum Realm. Pop, pop, pop. Pops out. Hey, guys, um, can you open the gate? I need you to let me in. I've got some shit to tell you. Okay, yep. so the, the, the big, big battle, and this, this is, like I said, this is just my crazy conspiracy theory, is that it's to move everybody over. Uh-huh. Everybody, including the Skrulls. The Skrulls end up going into the new universe, which sets up future movies. Which sets up X-Men, because in this new universe, the X-Men can be there. Exactly! And so, we have the, the ability for X-Men, we have the ability for you know Marvel Phase 4, we have... Everybody getting moved over. I think the the big thing is that when they start getting everybody in, new big bad shows up, right? So we've got Avengers who go, shit, we need to get these people on here right now. We need to get them over into the other universe. What can we do? Bunch of people. The OGs say, we'll go. So here are the OGers fighting off everything. It's going to end up being Hulk versus Thanos, and Hulk's going to have his own Infinity Gauntlet. Hulk's going to end up getting that arm blown the fuck off. The first time he tries to use it, <laughs> Professor Hulk's losing his arm. I think Rogers goes to grab it. Captain America puts on the Infinity Gauntlet. First strike, 
makes a fist, all of them light up, he fucking explodes and takes all the Infinity Stones with him. Much like we saw with Red Skull. Now, is that where we are going to get the fame? Because they like to, to reuse lines. Yeah. What if he puts on this, because I have a couple things that I'd like to see, and the death of Captain America in a glorious way is one of them. What if, you know, he goes for the gauntlet, Iron Man tells him no, and he goes, Tony, this was always the way. Which, if you go back to Iron Man 1, mm-hmm. is the same exact thing that he was told in the cave. Was, this was always the plan. Because... I- I, I think, if anything, it's going to be, like you said, I think it's going to be, Tony goes to grab it, because he's like, I know what this thing can do, and I'm in a goddamn super suit, so it's not going to affect me. He goes to get it, and somehow it gets, boom, knocked away from him. He looks, it slides over to Steve, Steve's it, and Tony goes, it's got to be me. And he goes, this was always the way. Grabs it, locks up to go punch Thanos. Bam! Explosion. All the Infinity Stones are gone. The Infinity Gauntlet's gone. Captain America's gone. Tony's just sitting there going, what the fuck just happened? Because Tony finally tried to make that sacrifice. You know what I'm saying? Is Tony has always been told by Captain America, you will never, you are too self, you're too stubborn and too self-centered to ever, ever sacrifice yourself. For everyone else. Yep. And I think that really resonates with Tony now that he's lost Spider-Man. He doesn't want to lose anybody else. And so he goes, you know what? If it's going to be anybody, it's going to be fucking me. Give me that goddamn gauntlet. It's over. And then, it, it, you know, we see the swipe away. Captain America sees it. It's, it's, it's me. It's, it's always, always been, been me, me, man. Like, this is how it's going to go. Which, you know, there, there are three things that I would like to see in Endgame. And two of them really revolve around Tony Stark. With the fact that we play around with timelines, we have heard Captain America talk about fucking how great Howard was when he was a young man. You know, and oh, I wished I could have seen your dad finally find happiness. And, you know, there's always been this animosity that Captain America was talked of so highly by Howard to a young Tony Stark. Yeah. I want to see young Howard Stark and Tony Stark have a face-to-face conversation. I want to have Howard Stark look at his son and just know I did right. In some way, shape, or form, him being an asshole worked out to become to make Iron Man who he was. The second thing is, this is just me, if there is a good amount of time between Infinity War and Endgame, I would like Tony Stark's dream of Pepper being pregnant to not only be real... I would like there to be a little Stark. And more importantly than that, if they're going to end the story of Iron Man on a good note and they're going to let those two ride off in the sunset, let's have the fucking MCU wedding of of Pepper Potts and Tony Stark. I know I sound like a fucking heartless romantic saying that shit, but for fuck's sake, they are the, the couple. They are the MCU couple. They're the only ones that lasted. Okay. Yep. So I would and, like to and, see and, the wedding of Tony Stark and Pepper Potts. And, and here's, here's the thing: thing like, like people, people are asking. asking what, here, here's, here's the, the kicker. kicker. And, this and this is what, what I'm, I'm loving, loving so much. much. You have, have a Spider-Man, Spider-Man Far, Far from, from Home, home trail. trail. Yep. Okay. You have, have what is what presumed, presumed that Robert, Robert Downey, Downey Jr. Jr. has not filmed anything for that movie. Everyone is under the impression of that. Correct. Yep. Yeah. Why? 
would they want to let anything out knowing that that movie is slated to come out after they're already giving it away that theater comes back okay the, the fact that they announced the second movie with the fact that infinity wars was coming out and with what they knew was going to happen at the Infinity Wars. They already knew they were going to give you the fact that Peter comes back. He's going to be alive. We're filming this other movie. It's going to happen. If I may. Okay? So, so they gave, they're giving you that. Evan, they already, yeah. May, if I may blow your mind for five seconds. What if the field trip that Peter Parker was on at the beginning of Infinity War was him coming back from this trip overseas? See, I, my theory was very similar to that, but my theory before Captain Marvel and all that was that when the timeline resets, the bus they are on is leaving for that trip. Nice. That's what my theory was, because it's leaving the city. It's not going to the city. It's leaving well, the city. But I think, don't they make a comment about everything? He makes a comment, though, about everything that happens. See, I don't know. I don't know if that's everything that happened at the end of Homecoming, and that the party that's being thrown at the school is for him, Spider-Man saving the the day uh, against Vulture. I don't like. That's the thing. Is you're absolutely right. Why would they drop this trailer, knowing full well? I guess kind of Sony dropped the ball on that one. Didn't fucking. Well, no, think. no. I think there is Far From Home has something in it and either if tony stark does not die it has already been said that robert downey jr had no problem filming cameos he said he will not film another iron man movie what if and think about this for a minute what did what did tony stark become in the comic books tony stark dies in the comic books and a new iron man takes its place yeah Tony Stark becomes an AI. Yeah, he becomes Jarvis. Yeah, he becomes Jarvis, yeah. Correct. What is to say that Tony doesn't sacrifice himself and become Jarvis, or Tony doesn't sacrifice himself, and all they're trying to do is trying not to give you more into Endgame than you already are getting via the trailers, via the fact that you already know Peter's still alive. That there... There is something more in those cogs for those two movies and why they're coming out back to back like that. There's so, a reason those movies are coming out that way. There's so a- I love I love your theory behind that. And so I had, I had talked to Tony about the Jarvis idea um, simply because of the fact that it's like Tony's proven he has the technology not only to put a voice into an AI, but to take a voice out and make that voice living with vision. Yeah. Okay. So I, my theory, because I had a theory for that as well, was that you know he does die in Endgame. Uh, the theory for that would it, it completely null and void. Don't even think about the the theory I told you previously. Uh, essentially, he takes Captain America to the goddamn edge of the cliff, with Red Skull, and is like, "Hey, man, this has to happen." Everyone's on the edge of their seat. Everyone's like, "Holy shit, Tony's about to yuck." Captain America, yeet him into oblivion. And Tony says to him, you've got to throw me. It's the only way. Self-sacrifice. He's finally making that sacrifice. This is how we get the Soul Stone. This is how we finally finish the gauntlet. This is how we beat Thanos, but you have to fucking do this. What about what about a face turn by Red Skull? No. That's what, so, uh, my, my thing, thing though, was that, was that Captain America, America 
you know, does it, tosses him over. Spider-Man comes out, right? Spider-Man hasn't put on the suit since the end of Endgame, right? You know, in, in, in my, my mind's eye, this is the way it goes. You know, Tony's dead. Uh, the whole MCU shook it up. You know, we're, we're, the OGs are gone. But, but so fires up, he fires up the Iron Spider suit. System comes on. He sees everything. And then all he hears is, hey, kid, it's Tony's voice. And that's the last thing we see after Endgame. Leading into Homecoming. Dude, that would make me fucking wet. Uh, because yeah. you, one of the things that they've talked about is the way Peter looks at the Spider-Man suit before going on his vacation. Some people are like, oh, he's in mourning because Tony Stark is dead and he doesn't want to be Spider-Man. It's like, or he may just want to go on a fucking vacation without thinking about Spider-Man. And well, Nick Fury it, he says, says it in the you, trailer, the, the most recent trailer. He has it in his hand and he shoves it back in the closet and he's like, I just want to go on a vacation with my friends. Yeah. That's all I want. And then Nick Fury shows up and does his up. thing. Which is hilarious. Yeah, the is, last... he, is he okay? Uh, you might want to roll him over so he doesn't swallow his tongue. The last thing that, <laughs> that I want to throw for, for fan theories that I've got for Endgame. So there's something that's bothered me, and I watched it uh, the other day, was Avengers Age of Ultron. When yeah. the Mind Stone fucks with everyone. Mm-hmm. What was Captain America's vision? It was World War II party. Everything's yeah. good. And you see this lady. He finally gets to dance with Peggy. How yeah. fucking sweet would it be that the final sacrifice he makes while all the Avengers are there and he is dying is Doctor Strange being like, he's not going out like this. And Doctor Strange puts him in the eternity that Steve Rogers deserves, which is the final dance with Peggy. Because... You have to. No, I want Steve Rogers to get shot in the head. Oh my God! By Black Widow. You, you, and on the steps of the White House. Won't happen. Needs to happen. It won't happen. It's the it's the Disney MCU. It won't happen that way. Uh, If it does, all of us are gonna have to owe Evan a fucking steak dinner. The fucking (laughs) asshole. Because I don't want to see it. I will call both of you that night and freaking ruin the goddamn movie for you guys because i'm going opening night and it's same oh my god same do you not think we're all going to be going opening night yeah (laughs) i will call your asses and i will be like i told you so and And i will just hang up and you know what when 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 opening night's over and it doesn't happen i want you to call me and be like you told me so I'll just be happy that someone calls me. Uh, (laughs) And on that note, my God, this has been an hour and a half of fun. Uh, It's going to turn into a two-parter. Oh, my God. Brother. Well, we don't have to do two parts anymore because I've got new software. Um, You know, one of the the cool parts about this is is that Captain Marvel did exactly – I think all three of us can agree. It did exactly what it needed to do. It kept us interested in the – MCU. It kept us going and it really delivered and you know Eric's Eric's daughter is a testament that this was the superhero that we needed now because you know to to me superheroes are meant to represent everyone and superheroes should not know gender, superheroes should not know race, creed or color. You know, uh, we had a Spider-Man movie this year win Best Animated Feature at the Oscars, and it featured, you know, a, the, a non-Caucasian Spider-Man was, won the Oscar this year. Look at it like that. 
one of the biggest box office draws last year, and it was nominated for an Oscar this year, was Black Panther. And now we have Captain Marvel, who speaks to every little girl out there and every woman out there to let them know that you have the power within, which is what the movie is about. But yet, yeah, Aquaman got, got snubbed. snubbed. Hey, man. man. Nobody cares, cares about, about the guy, the guy who can talk to fish, fish, all right? Well, I kind of do. Hear me out on, no, hear me out on this. Captain Marvel, I'm, I'm, uh, Captain Marvel literally did everything that she was supposed to do. And I say that because of this. Captain, Captain Marvel, Marvel in the MCU, MCU right now showed that a human, a human, I know she has superpowers, but at the end of the day, foundation of her core is human. That a human and a woman once given all of her power, once she realizes that she has the power to do it, literally became the baddest thing in the universe. Not just human, not alien, the baddest thing in the universe. It's Ronda Rousey. Like, like Dan said, it's everyone. Man, woman, child, alien, like, dude, anything, whatever you identify. Captain Marvel is the tippity top of the mountain. I thought that oh, was no, Jeff I Jarrett. I um, I <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, ladies and gentlemen, we end another fucking amazing episode of Films of Fury. Check us out wherever you get your fine-ass podcasts. Anchor.fm, Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Podcast. Yeah. Um, for myself and Christian Bale. Christian Bale, Batman. Oh, yeah. I, was, I, I wasn't around all the time, guys. I was listening really good, though. Don't worry. Jesus Christ, I hate you. You say her name. Where are they? <laughs> Baths. <laughs> Rachel. I'm done. Cut off t-shirts. Your choice are so warm, but at what cost? A is for Abfred. B is for Bats. <laughs> Ladies and <laughs> Real funny, guys. Real funny. I don't really sound like that. Great, you're on fire now. What do you think about that? Actually, it's quite comfortable. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Films of Fury. Sergeant Fury and his esteemed guests out. <laughs>